today's Nick's tips proposals. What's up, Nick's? What's up, Scotty? Sons of CPA's bonus episode where Nicole, Nick's, McKenzie, and Scott Scarano share a small but useful piece of practical advice as it relates to running their professional accounting firms using words that start with the letter P. Today, we are talking about proposals, proposal software to be more specific. We actually planned a little bit more on this and we have points. We have different points to project. Where do we start? Yeah. So I think proposal softwares are a huge part of the sales process. So we've got five things that that we look for in proposal software. And then we can talk about what we each use because we each use a different proposal software. So we can talk about the differences between the two. Mm. I have practice ignition, right? And I have Go Proposal. We've been using Go Proposal for two years and it's completely changed our sales process. It's amazing. We love it. They have something different to offer than practice ignition. I've built up practice ignition to basically be a delivery method, but not necessarily a pricing tool. Yeah, I think that's the main differentiator for Go Proposal. It's really a pricing tool. It's proposal software, but it is a pricing tool. And there's a whole pricing methodology around it that the founder, uh, he does a lot in social media, does a lot of video, and he's really an advocate for accountants and value pricing and charging what we're worth. So uh, I think it's a really good framework. He's a fixed pricing fanatic. Like he's not necessarily a value pricing disciple. He's this fixed pricing and, and he believes that you shouldn't be offering more than one option. So it's a, it's a dichotomy that hard, it's hard for me to grasp. It's hard for me to sit in the middle of one person saying you should definitely offer three options. That's the best way to present your proposals. And there's somebody else saying you need to give one option. Yes, that's a good point. We don't do the options and everybody in the industry right now is saying do the options. We don't do options. We do one, one proposal, one price, and then if we present it to the client and it's too much, then we'll take off services. And we also, I love the, the, there's at the bottom of it, there's services to consider. So let's say you, you set it up with just accounting, payroll, bookkeeping services, but you know, based on the conversation yeah, that you had with them, that they need cash flow f- forecasting. Then you can put that into services to consider and say, here's your price as it stands. But based on our conversation, it sounds like you have cash flow issues. We can add it on if you want for this price. So um, I think it's a really good tool to have a conversation it's with the client around tool. and let them choose what works for them. I feel like you do have more control of the sales process if you are able to, un- at least able to trust yourself to go back to the stuff that's on the roadmap or the stuff that's suggested. And you have an anchor, you know, you can still anchor your price to a higher, larger amount because you can scale things back. But I think we want to just talk about the importance of a proposal platform. Ooh, there's two peaks. What to look for in a proposal platform. Okay. So what's your, what's your sales process right now? Right now we're relying mostly on inbound leads and from there 
basically I meet with them. We record the call. Matthew reviews that, reviews the the type form that they fill out and prepares a proposal in practice ignition based on basically what we offer everybody and then just tweaks it based on their revenues and based on what they said or what they value and what they want. Sometimes we give options, sometimes we don't. Most of the time for new clients, like it's either we we want to lead with what's their need right now, but that's kind of where it starts is him preparing a proposal, me reviewing it, and then presenting it to the client. Most of the time, we're just emailing it to them. Sometimes mm-hmm. we attach a Loom video with the email, but we do, we haven't been doing a lot of follow-up calls recently. Okay, interesting. So do you look at any of their financial information or tax return? No, nope. it's all just based on what they tell you. All based on what they tell us and our prices. And we're trying to solidify those to be profitable across the board. But obviously, there's there's older ways that we used to do it and we used to review all of their stuff ahead of time but that was more time consuming and i don't want to spend any of that time Mm, okay so your sales process is very different than ours Mm -hmm. so our sales process is they send an inquiry or get an email introduction through someone in my network they fill out a hubspot form that books time on ashley's calendar 20 minute call she does a discovery call, basically a screening to make sure that they're a good fit, we're a good fit. Then she re- she starts building out the proposal and go proposal based on the information they tell her. And she requests more information, so their financial statements or access to QuickBooks Online. Then on the second call, we get on me, her, and the client. And we start with the base proposal that Ashley built out based on that short conversation and the data that we got. And we have another hour-long conversation. Then, then we then we give them a price range, and they gave us a verbal agreement. And we don't send them a proposal until they're like, "Yeah, I'm in. We're a good fit. Let's do it." Then sometimes we'll have a third call where we'll actually review the proposal with them live. How much time usually passes between the first call and the second hour call? Usually about a week. Sometimes okay. two, ideally a week. So it's just a matter of getting both of our calendars. What we found, especially with big proposals, we do not just send the, the go proposal because it's like 30 pages and it's overwhelming. So what we do now is we say we won't send them anything. We get them on a call first and go through it together and explain everything. And that's a really good opportunity to add services, take away services. And that's been game changing is actually agree. reviewing it with them. You basically can have them agree somewhat to what they want and know that they're going to say yes before you send them the 30 pager. I yes. love this. I'm yes. taking a lot of mental notes here because I think I want to switch our, our process and I just want to figure out, do we have the capacity for somebody else to meet with them before me? And then I come in on the second call uh, if they're a good fit. Just how many people does Ashley say no to? Well, the, the intake questionnaire typically filters out some if they're not their industry or size. And then by the time they, if, if they answer all those questions in the way that we want them to, then they get a call with her. So I would say about 70% are yes, because if if they don't answer the questions correctly on that questionnaire, then so we you, refer them out somewhere done. else. Good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so then it's just a personality fit, right? That's really cool. I dig it. I dig it. 
personality fit. That's usually not something that I, I tend to consider. I, I always consider the bigger ones like, you know, revenue and, and are they going to be a good fit? But I, I think in the back of my mind, subconsciously, we're always doing a personality fit. Well, a lot of times, especially when someone hires you, it's really about chemistry, right? Like mm-hmm. They can go to a lot of different CPA firms or EA, EAs or accounting firms, whatever you want to call it. Um, is- but they're, they're really looking for someone they want it. They enjoy working with. I'd never heard EA firm before. <laughs> I, say CPA, I say CPA firm all the time. I feel time bad because I said CPA and I'm like, oh, you're like, well, it is a CPA firm. You have CPAs that work for you. So. I, I'm able to say that. I can say whatever I want. <laughs> An executive I, I assistant firm. firm. Yeah, that's just, oh, I wish I had one of those and I could use Oh, we're my own getting services. one, man. We are talking uh, to Cadencia tomorrow. Still Oh, that's really cool. We'll yeah. see how. Yeah. I don't know. That's it's yeah, it's on our uh, you know on a list. Okay. So we talked about pricing. Well, we, we didn't really. Pricing. So we talked about the process. We talked about both of our processes, but yep. So pricing to be profitable, I think, is is fundamentally different on both systems or on fixed versus value. Mm-hmm. So fixed price model and a scalable price menu is what you use on go proposal so the backbone of everything you said on your process is based on here's the services we're going to offer and this is our price for that now you could tweak that however you want and that's everybody's able to do that and that's the value pricing technique i think i think in, in any case either one you want to have some walkaway price or some baseline yep. that you offer to almost everybody and then t- ratchet it up a little bit here and there based on other factors like employee count, revenue, industry, transactions, like however you want to do it. And value pricing and fixed pricing can be very similar in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think value pricing as the plug. (laughs) So there's, here's the price and then the plug is up or down depending on what you think the client's going to pay. Yeah, Usually, that's your, up, yeah, but... the plug. I love that. That's what we used to do on tax returns. What's the <laughs> difference plug here? It. <laughs> plug it. <laughs> plug it on the right. <laughs> no, Ackerman would hate if I said that out loud. Don't tell him. Plug it to miscellaneous. Yeah, plug it. <laughs> plug it to miscellaneous. No, not even plug it to miscellaneous, but plug it to retainer earnings. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> on deposited funds, as my yeah. accountant. Plug it to shareholders distribution. <laughs> Beginning like balance equity. Yeah. Any balance, just throw to shareholders. <laughs> up or down. So just kidding for any any listeners out there. I definitely don't do that because I don't do anything anymore. <laughs> so I'm not even plugging anything. No more plugs. Plugs is not going to be a P word that we use. <laughs> Nobody's going to listen to that one. <laughs> Sounds too sexual. Unless we're talking about hair plugs. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't even gonna go there. My I wasn't mind went the wrong way. At all. Yeah. I was thinking hair plugs and you were thinking butt plugs. So let's uh let's get out of the plugs. Let's get out of the gutter Abort. and go to Abort. packages. So Ooh. packages. That is a, a technique for proposals that you can pre-populate. Oh wow, I'm loving these P words. Pre-populate packages. PPP. How would you pre-populate a package on yours in Go Proposal? Yeah, so on Go Proposal, we don't do packages, but it would be a base set of services. So, okay. for example, you might have okay, bookkeeping is the base packages, and then we build on top of that. Okay. Um, so there's not packages; it's just one full scope of services, but you can add on and take off services. 
and we have templates that kind of bundle service like like services together for different i wish we did it for industries and i think that that's kind of eventually the direction that we'll go and then it's based on like the time of year or the needs like later in the year you're going to have a lot more back work and earlier in the year if they've already got their tax return done by somebody else we don't have that much back work and we don't have too much as far as like um setup is concerned but as the year gets later that part of the proposal gets a lot bigger or there's an alignment fee in go mm -hmm. proposal that you're basically just backing into that based on whatever your monthly price is so whatever you do you want to have a definitely some prepackaged solutions ready for you to tweak and that way you're not reinventing the wheel every proposal that you're doing in either platform Right. And I, it, James, I think is the founder, right? Of Go Proposal, Ashford, James Ashford. Mm -hmm. His whole thing and how Go Proposal is set up is that you don't give clients a discount on the retroactive work. Like you should still charge based on what you, for that part of the service, if you're reconciling 100 transactions a month, you should charge for that in the catch up months rather than yep. being like, oh, I'm just going to give it to a discount because it teaches them to just they're like why would i why would i pay for your services now if i could just wait a year and you'll do it all at once and i think a lot of cpas will will do an entire year's worth of transactions for super cheap but it's a disservice to the client because you're teaching them bad habits you're teaching them to show up with their books once a year cuz you'll reconcile it for 1500 bucks why are they going to pay $1000 a month for someone to do it every month they're not going to everybody's looking for the long term what's my monthly recurring going to be but then you've devalued it already Yep. By, you know, if you're, if you're selling monthly recurring prices, you should never discount it. And I think that's, I always go back and forth with that based on our capacity. Yeah. If yeah. we have a lot of capacity and we need to backfill, like we'll offer some kind of deals and, and I hate discounting stuff. I definitely don't ever change the price based after we've given somebody the price. Even if we know we can land the client, if all we can do is discount it, we don't even discount it. We let, we let it sit on there, but before we deliver it to them we really have to be mindful of like what price are we going to present and that's what so, i like about go proposal because if client can't pay that then you say okay well right now we have your out. financials you said you want to deliver it on the 10th how about we deliver them on the last of the month or there's different things that you can do to reduce the price or they will make them happy exactly, with the price yeah so that's the ratcheting up or down right you can do frequency you can do based on the deliverables or take services away but you want to start out with something that they probably would balk at something that they probably would say oh that's a little expensive <laughs> say all right well let's let's work with that you know like if they don't say that's a little expensive then you've definitely left money on the table yes you know if they immediately say oh that's great let's do it like I, I've, I've done this before where i presented somebody a proposal and they're like where do i sign up i was paying my other person to four hundred dollars more than that a month you know like i give it to them for eleven hundred they're like oh wow i was already paying fifteen hundred let's do it well, those are the ones you're usually stoked about you're like oh my god they signed a six thousand dollar proposal but you're like immediately you're stoked about it and then you're like wait they didn't ask about it i could have charged seven thousand yeah. yep, 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 yep yep so let's not get greedy here but let's yeah, also let's... be mindful of what we're doing and, and i think go proposal has a good way of doing that and i think that's what three options is basically is yes you're already working it down to the point where this is as far as I would already go and you're saving yourself some time because if you present it to them and then they take the top one, you've already left money on the table anyway, right? Like that's, um, 
you, you're you're damned if you do you damned if you don't if you don't price it right and really have that anchor price and that anchor price should be way beyond the range that they're probably willing to pay right um so so that's and it's just it makes it a bit it's a, just a different bit of a di bit of a different process and um i know we, we're going to get into processes after packages but processes and automation with your proposal platforms is key too like automations you want to go a little bit deeper into that yeah so i think from what i've heard i think pi does this part really really well and that's why people love pi right because you send out the proposal the client signs it live takes their credit card information or ACH information and then sets up the recurring invoice, boom, shoots that in a zero or QBO and you're, you're set, right? Is that how it Everything. works? Yeah, that's how mine works. And that's why I'm using both because P practice ignition is the platform that automates the process of payments. Right. Like, you know, I'm just deliberately putting P's in the, the platform <laughs> that it practice platform processes payments. And I've said this a lot on the podcast. It's like it, Everything is almost automated where they come in for HubSpot that pushes to practice ignition, uh, practice ignition proposal will then push to carbon for the work. So we don't do any work unless it's paid for, and it doesn't leave practice ignition unless it's paid for, because we don't do any pricing or, or any proposals that don't have payment up front. And then it pushes to zero for us to reconcile the payment later. And so we don't even have to deal with like a clearing account of, you know, reconciling where our other payment platform was because the payments are built into practice ignition, whether it's credit card or ACH. We try to make everybody ACH just because I'm still cheap accountant and I don't want to pay the credit card fees. Same, same. Yeah. And the, isn't cash king? Like I've heard people that only take credit cards. Most people don't, most accountants don't, but isn't cash king like. Well, I see us as, as um, just like an employer, right? If you can't cover payroll, you've got yourself a problem. You're paying us every single month, so you shouldn't have to put that on a credit card. If it's a project and you pay the credit card fees, it's a one-time project, eh, sure. But if it's a recurring service, you should be able to pay for it. I like that, yeah. So projects should be processed with um, a little bit of processing fees, and then you can bump it up or pad it with um, a little bit of, uh, you know, extra padding to cover the credit card cost anyway for any accountants out there like me that don't want to have to pay a bunch of fees like you see the difference though like i saw i had maybe like 82 90 different proposals go through and it was like less than a hundred dollars for the um ach and then there was like seven and it was like nine hundred dollars for credit card fees you know so i bought a car last weekend and we show up on a sunday and with mike I bought an Audi S5 and I'm like, I didn't bring a checkbook. I don't know how I'm going to pay the banks. The banks are closed. So I call them like, well, how do I going to pay for this? And they're like, well, you can call the bank and try to get an increase on debit card uh, or you can pay by credit card. So yep. Mike and I put together like four credit cards <laughs> because of the I've balance put 60 grand on a credit card on multiple credit cards. And we're like, oh, we get 2% back. Not a big deal because it's a 2% fee. So our, our credit card, we had the city double cash. So mm -hmm. we paid for it. And then we found out later, so we paid like 1600 right, or whatever it is in, in credit card fees. And then we found out later that that those were excluded purchases from the 2% back. <laughs> so we is. didn't get the 2% on that. Uh, so you had to pay the fee. So we had to oh, pay well. the fee, but whatever. I wouldn't, I wouldn't after, even put up with that. After I, I negotiated $2,000 $2, $2, off. Yeah. 
I would have demanded a refund of the fee. Like I would have said, no, you know what? This was under false pretenses. I'm bringing the car back. Sorry. I got my... Yeah, no, but I love it. Uh, I uh, already, I like that car because a five looks like an S. And so it looks like my initials anyway. I've, oh, been, I've, yes. I've been saying that I am going to get a second chain as a dollar sign. So it has my initials. So I'm going to have two chains. I got the Superman symbol and the dollar sign, and they're my initials, SS. And I could be driving an S5, which is kind of like my initials too. You should. It's, so, a, it's a great car. Uh, now nah, I got my X5. That's my, um, that's my, so we, we're both driving some fives. That's pretty cool. So go, go proposals, automations, a little more clunky than PIs. Ah, so they get a PDF in their inbox and on like page four of it, there's an approve my proposal button click on it. That takes them to an e-signature page. Then that takes them to an ACH form, but the ACH form is not integrated. It's part of, it's part of go cardless mm-hmm. separate company. So it's a little mm-hmm. clunky We're that you have to manage. Go cardless right yeah, now. Yeah. Go cardless. There's a steep learning curve. We've had a lot of bumps in the road with go cardless. It's the working integration well now. has changed, right? So yeah. it used to yeah. be, if you're using zero, like the integration was made by go cardless. Now it's made by zero and, and whichever integration you're using, if you're on a legacy platform, it's, uh, we, we just had a bunch of issues with it. Recently. Yeah. We had that happen with a new client we onboarded where it went, we implemented it for them, go cardless for them. And then it paid so we were like converting them over to zero and they're like open invoices that had already been paid and then it auto charged them, their clients. It was so embarrassing. So anyway, we're dealing with something similar and I got a call over the weekend from the new client and he said, why'd you put me on this shit? And we don't know. Like yeah. we just did. We're yeah. just trying to get them on a payment platform. Um, well, we got so. all on this. Like, okay, we're going to start helping clients with their AR. Or we're going to help them invent a payment processor. And then we did it for a couple. And then now we're trying to figure out if we really want that liability and responsibility but the client's not going to yeah. do it so i don't know yeah anyway so, so payment processor payment processors, yeah you definitely want I mean, a payment processor well you definitely want to have something that's going to be scalable just try to envision it several years down the road and if it's still going to work for you then and you agree with the vision of the company and where they're going I mean, honestly, I'll say Practice Ignition has some great roadmap. You know, they're they're not as public about it as Carbon, but I think they have a lot of cool things coming in the pipeline. Um, Carbon's th- notorious for having a cool ass roadmap that never gets there. <laughs> they're just always pushing things out and saying this is a great thing that we're gonna do, and I get super excited, and then it just never happens. Yeah, I was, so I was just talking to Ashley about roadmaps. Today. She's like, I'm tired of roadmaps. They never happened. Uh, like, especially there's all these apps that you go to their website and they'll say we integrate with QBO, we integrate with Zero, and there'll be a demo, and then you go talk to them and they like haven't even built a product yet. You're like, oh, that was just a <laughs> building demand. They're basically building demand for it and yeah. then creating the roadmap based on the demand and right. then creating the, the the services based on how many people complain that it's not there yet. Then they go backfilling. Oh man, that's fun. So decentralized or people is our next point. So we got pricing, packages, processes, payment processing, and people. And that's a decentralized approach that practice ignition probably could do, but only if you don't really do fixed pricing, because it's the bottleneck of the person that comes up with, with the, not only if you don't do value pricing, I think, because value pricing is going to bottleneck at the person who comes up with the prices. But if you have a fixed menu, like a yeah. proposal, 
like do you have a decentralized approach and do you allow the team to present different packages or does it always still still even roll up on yeah i think sales is the last thing most business owners get themselves out of because it's the hardest part to delegate to somebody else and to your point about uh what was I saying? I lost my train of thought. <laughs> well, this is this is actually really cool because it, it connected me to what Blake did at his cloud source accounting firm. He delegated sales early on. Oh, right. And he's doing that with Earmark right now too. He's mm -hmm. delegating sales. And that's why it's not hard to get out of the sales process if you know how to delegate it effectively early on. And most people don't think that far ahead. Like they're just like, I need to fill the work and I'll deal with the sales. I'll just deal with it. And then eventually I'll get somebody out of it. And then they get so entrenched in the sales process because it's so customized and different for each person. Like I've been meeting with podcasters or pay, uh, podcast producers for this podcast. And some of them have a detailed sales system and a structure. And some of them are just like, I come up with my own prices. I, yeah. we, we customize it for everybody. And then that's harder for me to try and budget, you know, who's going to do it. Yeah, if you're still coming up with prices, just pulling them out of your ass, you're never going to be able to delegate it to somebody else. So I like that Go Proposal and PI and, and I'm sure there's other proposal software out there give you a framework that someone can come in and build off of. And honestly, being good at sales just comes with practice, right? The more you do it, the mm -hmm. more you listen to what what clients need, you start to recognize patterns. And so you can sort of start predict what they need oh, you're um, killing it with the p words <laughs> pricing practice <laughs> patterns i think i dream about p's now so i only speak in p's now because that's all we talk about <laughs> is p words <laughs> it possibly. happens yeah possibly <laughs> so go back to your point the point is if you want to be able to take sales off your plate as this business owner, you need a pricing tool and a proposal tool. Yeah, to make it scalable and to be able to grow as a firm. And that is something that I struggled and still am struggling with because I, to a large degree, I'm still coming up with the prices off the top of my head. As much as I fool myself into thinking we have a model we don't, we have a little spreadsheet that says roughly what our clients are paying on average against mm. these revenue brackets. And that's it. It's just a revenue bracket. It's doesn't, it's not very detailed. I haven't made an effort to go into it. And honestly, we need to, and we need to figure that out so we can start using Go Proposal. So we pay in for it. We're not really using it yet because I don't have something that I'm comfortable with. They have it set up and I'm just not that comfortable with it yet. And so I think it's, it's me getting in my own way at least for us to be able to scale out of it. Yeah, I would say that our Go proposal is a work in process. Like we probably, every time we do a proposal, we probably like add one more, maybe not every time, but every five we'll add on something else. What it feels like. So yeah, it, took, it, feels like. it took a year to get it to a really good spot where it's like, bam, I can put together a proposal in 10 minutes. So it takes time to build it and add in all your custom service lines that you do that's unique to your firm. Um, well, I'm just complicating things it. by wanting to use two. You know, because then it's just easy to go straight to practice ignition when I want to quickly yeah. create a proposal. I got to have incentive to use the other one. And, and well, the incentive now is that I'm paying for it. I thought PI was building out something similar to what GP has. I hope so. So, I, so. I mean, if they did that, they would probably, 
they just copied Go proposal, they'd have a huge yeah. advantage because they have a sleeker system, I think. Well, for now and for the time being, I'm going to be using both on, at least until that happens, which will probably be another year or two. And by the end of this year, I'll I'll have like another year or two. <laughs> probably, you know, with softwares and their roadmaps, we never know. <laughs> I like how we can add a roadmap now for our clients. (laughs) Here, do you need these services? We don't offer them yet, but here. (laughs) You need it. I didn't even know that it was if you offer it or not. I thought it was just if they want it and they don't want to pay for it yet. (laughs) That's that's even better. So let's um let's wrap this up here. So we've got uh today's topic was proposals and proposal platforms. And um I think we've we've kind of talked about that any listeners if oh i need to definitely start asking for this more if you could leave us a five-star review subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast player what they could do also if you could go uh search sons of cpas on linkedin and follow our page follow us on linkedin yeah yeah. follow me on twitter follow us on any of the platforms on the social platforms that you find us on you can find nicole mckenzie it's Nicole with a K, like Nick's, and uh, Scott Scarano on Twitter. Yeah, open up your Twitter. Go to at Scott Scarano. See you guys. Thanks, Bye. Nicole. Bye, Scott. <laughs>